And I'm not trying to get you to spoil your secrets. Hey there, I'm Graham, and you're listening to the Sales Nerds Live podcast. Our most recent conversation with my team being about top of the funnel improvements. Look anywhere from like accounts worked, email, call activities, segmenting by inbound and outbound activities too. And then, then the opportunity creation from each of those channels, doing all that A-B testing from there. On today's premiere episode of Sales Nerds Live, host Graham Collins interviews Lily Yoon, the head of growth at Gradient Works. Graham and Lily chat about their favorite sales metrics, sales career advice, and more. Sales Nerds Live is brought to you by your friends at Quotapath. Quotapath removes the manual lift out of sales commissions by automating the compensation process. We calculate and track your team's commissions, prepare them for payouts, and even give your reps the ability to forecast attainment and future earnings. We're the only solution loved by reps, leadership, and finance. Come nerd out with us on Sales Nerds Live. I think we're live. I think we're doing it here. Hey, everybody. Graham Collins, uh, Chief of Staff over at Quota Path. Um, welcome everyone to the very first episode of Sales Nerds Live. Yesterday was kind of our, our episode zero introducing the series. So today we're, we're actually having a real episode. I have Lily Yoon, head of growth over at Gradient Works. Um, and we're gonna be talking about sales metrics. Welcome, Lily. Thank you, excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Um, Lily and I have worked uh, worked together for, for several years at a, at a previous company. Um, and I, I can't imagine a better person to have on our first episode here. But Lily, do you mind just giving a little bit of a background on, on who you are and, and uh, what your story is? Yeah, happy to. So I'm based out of Austin, Texas, and I really started my tech sales career as an SCR. And so that was actually my first entry into getting into like a real sales role. And it was a really great place to start and build up my foundation in sales and outbounding and understanding like metrics can make a huge difference in the results that you get to. Um, and along the way, yeah, um, my career through my career progression, I also met a lot of really great sales leaders that taught me about how to like get those metrics and what to look at. And um, eventually became a manager of SDRs and then led a department of SDRs as well, and then led an entire new business team. So um, really got to learn a lot about how the data that you have can impact the overall outcomes, how that really impacts like the day-to-day -day decisions that your team makes on an individual level too. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, well, first tell us a little bit about Gradient Works, and then uh, maybe a little bit about your role over there. Gradient Works is focused on automating the entire customer hand, uh, lifecycle um, handoff process. So imagine like leads and accounts getting routed to the right reps so that way they can follow up in a timely fashion. Also like account book distribution process, so automating that. So when you're outbounding, your reps can get the right accounts um, to focus on and increase your conversions. So that's why Gradient Works is really focused on helping sales and revenue ops teams increase their sales velocity. And so as a head of growth at Gradient Works, I focus on really our new business side. So the SCR team and the full cycle AE team reports directly to me. Wonderful. Yeah. And you get to work with some great folks. Like I said, Lily and I worked together before and she took my job uh, No, after I, <laughs> after I left. So I ran the SDR org. Um, and then when I left, Lily stepped into that role and, and took it to the next level and took it through an acquisition. So um, really awesome to have her here. So major thing we're talking about is, is sales metrics. And so 
I guess I'll, I'll start with a very broad question and we can get a little bit more specific here, but what sales metrics do you care about the most? So many, um, <laughs> so many sales metrics I care about, but um, you know, I think right now it's like the most recent conversations I've had with my team is all about like top of the funnel activities. Um, so I usually break it up between like top of the funnel activity metrics and then, you know, mid funnel and the bottom of the funnel activity metrics and finding ways we can improve each section's metrics, uh, even like incremental 1%, right? Um, to improve our outcomes, which is net new opportunity creation. I think under each of those segments, there are just so many things that you can look into. And with like our most recent conversation with my team being about top of the funnel improvements, you know, look anywhere from like accounts worked, email, call activities, segmenting by inbound and outbound activities too. And then, then the opportunity creation from each of those channels and then just doing all that A-B testing from there. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like at least on the top of the funnel side, the outcome that you're looking at is new opportunities created. Is that, mm-hmm. is that fair to say? Okay, great. Yeah. Talk me through kind of working, working our way up. We're looking just top of funnel, but we're going to do a little mini funnel in the, uh, in the top of the funnel there with the, the very bottom being number of new opportunities generated. So of course we want to talk about what people have control over and, and how they can, can modify their, their outcomes. What's above that. So uh, above the, the, opportunities created? What are the, the metrics that you care about there? The email reply rate has been a really like interesting one to track over time because it's not only about like the messaging, but it's also timing of like when you're sending your messaging, the persona too. On the email side, it's all about like we do email and that may be getting into like pretty nitty gritty. Sure. Details. No, that's okay. I, I feel like that the, the the crowd that we're shooting for here is is hopefully a pretty nitty gritty kind of crowd. So okay. yeah. My team has a cadence of meeting every two weeks to review all our emails, like our A-B testing tested emails. So we'll look at like, hey, this email template versus this email template. What's the difference here on open, reply, click rate? and um, conversions from there and then to opportunities. And, you know, sometimes we'll find a really like poor operating template, but it gets like the best replies. And that's all like data that we have that's reported on over a week over a week basis too. So we can easily just look at that report and say like, okay, let's target these two templates and figure out what we should really like um, continue with as our control and then find another template or like create a new messaging that can increase our reply rates um, to be better than that initial control that's doing yeah. that. So, so you, you do these reviews, obviously you probably have the dashboard pulled up on your other monitor right now, but um, so of course you're, you're reviewing this pretty regularly, but it sounds like you run in almost like a two week sprint. Is that fair to say where you say like, okay, we're going to run this messaging for two weeks is it time-based? Is it number of contacts reached out to based? How do you make that decision that like, okay, this one is overperforming this one? Yeah. Um, so it's mostly around like sample size. So we do it every two weeks because our team can work about, each person can work about 10 accounts um, each day. And within each of those accounts, we work about two to three contacts. And we're also staggering our email outreach because we just want to make sure that all our emails are personalized to each of the different people on the team. You know, factoring those aspects, we feel that we can have enough of a sample size for each of those templates 
And so what we do is 150 um, email sends to be just a quick review and say like, how is this doing so far? Got it. So after 150, you feel like you can get a pretty accurate uh, idea of like whether the B variant is better than the A variant or not. Okay. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been hearing a lot about recently is not just reply rate, but the the intent of the replies. So I joked that I could get you an email opened or a response. Uh, you know, I could get 90% response rate on an email um, if you wanted me to, but they'd probably all be negative. And so my question is, um, do you look at the intent of those responses? The yes, I'd take a, a meeting or no, I wouldn't or unsubscribe or tell me more. What is, how do you look at that? Yeah. I always like to think of it as like any response is better than no response. So the negatives I will take because that's also an ind indication of like the messaging is probably not resonating and we should change the messaging somehow, or we can probably get some more information from this person about why they're not interested and help us decide like, is this like a product messaging thing or is it a timing thing, which can, if it's a timing thing, we can always, you know, make sure we follow up at a better time or get a better understanding of like, what's the actual situation with this account and this prospects um, that they're going through. So we do take a look at like the responses. And of course, we always want the positive. Yes, let's schedule a meeting. Um, and what we do with that is like we always highlight, we um, share a lot of our wins with each other. So that way on a quick basis. So when we get a really good response to a specific messaging that we do, um, we share it with the team in a Slack channel that moment, that day to be oh, like, hey, this this resonated really well with my prospect. I've got a meeting set. Um, and then we also do a review of like emails where we didn't get a really good response. Um, and we look at all those together and try to say like, is there a common theme where is it our first touch email that people are saying no to? Or is it our second or third? We typically get a response on the first two emails um, that we send out. And so it's always um, helpful to just like revisit which ones are negative and then find ways to increase that uh, intent to positive intent uh, reply. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that you said that is interesting to me is the, the timing of the emails. Is that, do you see a, a large difference? If I, I remember back when you and I worked together, we had a, a guy who was an SDR on our team who swore by sending emails on Sunday afternoons. And, and he swore that that's how he got the best open rates and the best reply rates. Whatever, more power to him. If, if, if that's the truth, that, that feels like a unnecessary. But uh, do you have that? Do you, do you look at, you know, hey, sending emails out on Wednesdays, you should do it in the morning or whatever? Yeah, that's a great question. It, I feel like it depends on your like personas too that you're oh, reaching sure. out to. And and I'm not trying to get you to spoil your secrets. You don't need to tell me when the day and time is that's the best. I'm just saying you look at that. Like you look at it with that much detail of like timing, yeah. day of week. Do you look at um like day of week or or day of uh within the month or within the quarter? Like, oh, we get better responses at the end of the quarter or at the beginning of the quarter. We do look at some like timing related factors like that and decide when we send our emails. For us, we I've actually, as a team, started to send our emails in the mornings um, because we've noticed we get better response rates in the mornings. And you know, I've had reps that will send emails after lunch and then or like late afternoons. And it was just a lot of A-B testing on our part of like one, like sending certain batch number of emails on each of those days and then comparing each of those days and 
you know, we used a sales enablement platform for outreach purposes, and they provide some of those general metrics. But there's always like that extra layer where you, it's kind of anecdotal that you really do need to like discuss it as a team and be like, did you actually send these out at this time? And like, what were the general responses from those that you got? That's cool. I mean, uh, that's 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 the kind of like real nerd shit that I really like, you know, <laughs> getting real specific about that. And the one thing that I worry about is like, things change over time. We did a lot of subject line testing back when you and I were working together at Trendkite. And we had decided that just the word intro, all lowercase was the best subject line for us. Now, I don't know if that's still the case because it feels like with a lot of these tricks and tips and whatnot, as soon as everybody starts doing it, it loses a lot of its its power. We still use intro, by the way. Still use intro. All right. Yeah. See, you're giving away some of your secrets here. This is where I'm like, maybe we'll have to turn the the, the video off and, and have a more conversation more because <laughs> quota path is selling to similar folks. So yeah, we'll have to have more specific. Yeah. But to your point though, like things are always changing, right? Ways to reach our prospects are always changing. Everybody's pretty much working from home. Yeah. Back to the office. And, you know, so our outbound practices need to up, like change as well to keep up with yeah. the times. And so we, we test out like intro for me has been a constant, like I know this, what type of open rate this will get me. And so, but we still test out other subject lines that we feel will resonate with our personas, our RevOps personas, um, whether it's like increasing like sales velocity or mentioning um, any specific characteristics they have on their company website that may show that they have somewhat of like a complex routing model mm. or system that they need to like automate. Lots of A-B testing. I will share that intro has still been the best for us, honestly. All right. All right. <laughs> And and it's it goes again to that like open versus response. Like I had an email in my inbox this morning that said resume attached, and I went interesting. Did I ask somebody to send their resume? And I opened it. Not only was there not a resume attached to it, it was a recruiter who wanted to work. But like then that that was just a guaranteed unsubscribe from me. When it's like it feels disingenuous. So yeah, it's always like not the best thing. <laughs> always. That's true. That is true. So did you respond at all? I was like, no. And I tried to find an opt-out link or an unsubscribe link, and there wasn't one, even though they're an EU company. So like, oof, not great, not great. We've spent a ton of time talking about top of funnel. Let's talk a little bit about bottom of funnel. And once, once you have those opportunities, obviously now we've got a new funnel, which is opportunity to close one. What are the metrics that you care the most about there? I like to look at like pipeline progression. So based off of our sales stages that we have in our sales force. So we do a numbers-based sales stage process. So stage one, stage two, stage three. And a lot of the time I'm looking at conversion rates from each of those sales stages. And when uh, I'm noticing conversion rates um, change and changing meaning like they're lower <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going into like understanding, like pretty much like going down this like uh, process and layers of steps of being like, okay, well, we're noticing dip here where it's going from a demo call to an evaluation, like proof of concept stage. Where is it? Where, why is that dip happening? So reviewing either calls or um, conversations and process related things that are holding up that next sta uh, stage from happening. Um, is something that I like to do. And then we, uh, we have like weekly pipe review meetings. And um, a lot of that is around like, how do we 
we do like a game planning session beforehand where we have a doc where we talk about like, what are the reasons why this opportunity may not progress to the next stage and getting that type of perspective so that way we can get ahead of it. And yeah, that's that's an interesting approach. I, I, I've seen usually in pay-per-view meetings, it's like, what are the next steps? What are we going to do to close it? But I love the like, why won't this deal close conversation? What's going to happen so that we can stay two steps ahead of it? I think that's a, a really great way of looking at it. An interesting thing that I've seen a lot recently is is the number of days in stage. Have you do you pay attention to to days in stage in each of those? I don't actually pay attention to that. See, there's a metric that you don't pay attention to. All right, I found that's one. A good oh. one. Yeah, I, I only typically look at to like like days open for opportunity when we're doing these reviews. But I think that would be interesting to. Yeah. actually report on i'm gonna write that down actually the, the reason i ask is that i've seen that as like a way of identifying health of an opportunity to say like they've been in qualified for a hundred days we've never closed a deal that's been in qualified for a hundred days so that drops the likelihood of closing pretty drastically so when you when you look at these metrics obviously you you said you know we pay attention to if they change, if they go up, if they go down, oftentimes people will be like, what's a good qualified to close rate? And I'm like, oh God, there's no such thing as a good one versus, you know, some companies it's hundred percent, some companies it's 5%, it depends on how you define qualified and all this stuff. And it sounds like you have really clear definitions around that. It, it sounds like you're doing time series of, okay, us versus a week ago. Do you also do rep by rep comparison? You know, rep A versus rep B versus rep C? Yes. Um... My previous role, I did much yeah. more of that. I think the the rep comparison part is also really helpful just to get a better idea of like what your top performers metrics are, and then yeah. kind of dissecting of like what are what is this rep doing really well um, that maybe isn't like documented in a process like a demo flow process that we have that is actually whether messaging related or process related that's getting that speed for them for a deal to close and how can we um, amplify that through the rest of the team is a really good one to look at yeah, yeah one of my favorite things that you did at, at Trendkite was identify the strong performers in in several different things and then have them run trainings on those Isaac Kim, who's a, a, a very good uh, friend of ours and, and friend of the show, uh, he was you know, good at pretty much everything. But I remember him running specific trainings on how to quickly uh, tailor messaging, how to quickly identify the, the three things to tailor your cold outbound messaging on. He was really good at that. He had a really high response rate and was able to send out a lot of emails. And so I remember him running trainings on that. I didn't really know to do initially when I first became a manager. And then like it became a thing. I think when you took over the director role, it was like very much a common thing where it's like, hey, let's have the almost like subject matter experts for each like aspect of the pipeline creation. Do those type of trainings for everyone, which also is helpful for the manager, because after a while, as much as you want to outbound with your team, it kind of becomes impossible and you're still, you're pretty much out of tune with like the actual conversations that prospect you're having, your SDRs are having with prospects. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the, the messaging may look good on paper, but when it, when the rubber meets the road, maybe it's, it's not what's resonating. Such an important component of monitoring these sales metrics is coaching. And once you have this data, what do you do with it? Because otherwise it's just sitting there on a dashboard and, that's that's a big difference between 
people who are good at looking at, you know, looking at, at asking, good at asking the questions and people who are good at actually like doing something with it. And that's something that you excel on. Uh, and so I, I'd love to hear your philosophy around coaching using these sales metrics. I agree. It's definitely like stage one, you have to have the data to be able to coach and guide your team members. And once you have the data, make sure you record everything. So that way you can even reference it in like reference data from like six months ago or a year ago. And that can impact how you decide to go um, change your strategy for your SDR team based off that information. But, you know, we take a lot, I take a lot of the data and then depending on what the specific um, training session is, it may be more of like a team related one where it's like, Hey, you know, I'm noticing our, you know, call connect rates are, are like kind of dipping, like what's going on there? Like, what are your conversations been like, or um, what type of numbers are you calling? And so we do more of like a team brainstorming session around that. And then it allows me to be able to openly like coach, maybe like our top performer will be like able to also provide any feedback around what they've been doing and targeting to increase their, have a really good connect rate. On more of like a individual coaching aspect, I'm not a fan of like comparing reps numbers with each other um, during one-on-ones. And I don't think anyone personally likes that. So, so it's really just focusing on like their own metrics, right? Like looking at their previous month's numbers and this month's numbers so far, and then getting them to always tying it back to their ultimate goal, which is hitting their number for the month, taking their historical metrics and saying like, Hey, even if we can make this like conversion rate one or two percent better like the show rate your no show rates at a 75 you can get that to at least like an 80 percent this month you can hit like your number this hmm. much faster or something like that and that's the type of coaching that that data allows you to do on an individual level absolutely not to do too much of a plug of quota path here but on our website under the resources page there is a sales funnel that allows you to plug those numbers in and it will actually like help you calculate all of those things. We are just about a time here. I have three questions for you that I want to ask at the end, my my lightning round. But is there anything that, that I missed that you feel like you really want to get out there and, and everybody to pay attention to when it comes to sales metrics? Document it. Document it. Yeah. Creating the right Salesforce reports to help you quickly report on those numbers, but then also making sure there's a static documentation of that those metrics. So that way you can always go back to those previous metrics to, if you ever need them, there are moments where I would be like, man, I wonder what the metrics were for last, last, you know, last year's Q1 for outbounding and how that differs from this year and the previous year. And that can help me figure out what our team could potentially need to do um, differently. And it always sucks when you're like, oh man, I forgot to like record this one metric. (laughs) There's no way of knowing how, how, you know, what good looked like last year versus this year. It also shows you get, you get to see progress. You know, you get to see, hey, look at how much better we are at at this thing, so. Yeah, exactly. All right, we got the rapid fire questions here. Number one is, what piece of advice would you give your younger self on the first day of your first sales job? There's so many again, but like, <laughs> uh, I think the number one thing is I was so in my first sales role, I was so nervous. I've never had a quota, like an actual number. And I felt that I just needed to focus on my day to day and everything will be fine. And it was fine. I hit my numbers. If I were able to go back and talk to my younger self in my first sales role would be, you know, 
actually reach out to a lot of your senior peers and start trying to learn from them and get a better idea because it can only help your conversations as a first time sales rep. So um, I was very much a go by the book type of person. So if you gave me the manual, I would do it <laughs> to a T. Yep. Um, but I think sales is much more fluid than that. So, and it also helps to have all those different um, aspects and opinions from your sales team. Got it. Yeah. Sales can be a an art as well as a science. There's definitely the science part, but learning the art from other folks. Number two, if you weren't in sales, what would you be doing? I would be running my own cafe and bakery. I just want to make coffee for people and be that cup of happiness for them. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I've had some macarons you've made in the past, so I I can attest to your your baking skills. Is it, would it be macarons or what what would be the the baked good of choice? Probably macarons. Um, And then there is like this fluffy type, like Korean style bakery, a bake good that has a lot of like fluffy whipped cream in it. I'll have to share it with you later. It's really good. Yeah, that sounds great. What uh, what's it called? Um, I forgot the name. It's okay. I don't know how to translate it in English. No worries, no worries. That's fine. Um, all right, well, we'll put it in the show notes. And then, lastly, what are you watching, reading, or listening to right now? Whether that's work related, boring, or you know, trashy TV shows, whatever it may be. Yeah, I um. I'm, I listen, I re-read and re-listen to a lot of audiobooks, and um, I'm actually re-listening to one that you had recommended, which is Startup Traction. Um, and that's always, a, that's been a really good one. It's interesting just hearing about different methodologies of increasing your um, startup uh, inbound and marketing channels there. So um, that one's a good one. And then on the fun side, I watch a lot of Korean dramas when I have free time. So all my Korean drama fans. All right. A lot of K-dramas. We, uh, <laughs> Lily's, Lily's a fun one to talk to because my cousin is a, is a K-pop star, um, which is just a very strange sentence to come out of, out of my mouth. But my cousin is a K-pop star and she recently won one uh, American song contest. A little plug for her, which was hosted by... Yeah, she's great. It was hosted by Snoop Dogg and Kelly Clarkson. So yeah, my uh, my cousin won that. I'll tell you her name, but I, it will uh, set off an alarm in my house. It's Alexa. Um, so check her out. She's pretty great. Of course, my Amazon Echo now is going to respond, but that's all right. <laughs> I had to teach my aunt how to change the uh, Amazon Echo's name because, uh, you know, they say Alexa all the time. And so they have, you can change it to computer or Echo. Yeah. What? I had no yeah. idea. All right. There you go. Little little last minute tip here in case you need to change your Echo's name. You can do that. But Lily, this has been wonderful. Really, really appreciate you um, signing off here. How can people connect with you and uh, how can they find Gradient Works? Yeah, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. If you search Lily Yoon, you should be able to find it. It'll also say Lily Yoon Jaroszewski, but I don't ever actually say my married name because it's pretty hard to pronounce. Lily Yoon will work. Uh, or uh, email me at lily at gradient.works. Awesome. And Gradient Works website is just gradient.works. That's correct. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Lily. I'm going to end the live stream here now, but uh, this has been wonderful and uh, hope to see everybody again soon. Mm-hmm.